everyone. This is a Manipsent Sips podcast uh, featuring Dr. Brandon Cruz and Dr. Jeremy Boyd. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some neural dynamics, which is a type of also an intervention and a uh, evaluation tool that some PTs either implement or haven't implemented. So I figured we'd get into a little bit more of a clinical talk. Uh, first, I'm going to pass it off to my partner in crime here, Brandon. Hey, Jer, what's going on? Uh, how's everyone doing today? Um, we're going to start with, with our drinks here. Uh, I have uh, my Buchanan's, which I really like. A little detail on that. I don't think I've ever actually gone into the detail. I have the uh, age 12 years uh, blended scotch whiskey. Uh, they have a master's in 18. Uh, however, this one has like uh, a hint of like, I guess, an orangey and chocolate uh, taste. Uh, I like it on the rocks. Uh, it can also, uh, if you want, can have, I guess, um, you know, put like an orange peel in there, which will, will complement the taste. I also like to just have a little splash of ginger sometimes on it. But, you know, that's what I'm working with. Jerry, what do you have today? Uh, I'm sticking pretty simple today. I'm going to Stella Trois. Um, good, uh, I say that because there is a different type of Stella. Uh, in Egypt, their biggest beer is just Stella Flat. There's no other name to it. So your typical Stella in the United States. So uh, it's pretty much what I had today, and uh, I'm pretty much sure everyone knows about it. But uh, one of my favorite uh, regular beers to have if I'm not having a, a local craft brew. But um, let's get this uh, neurodynamic party started. Um Brandon, what do you, uh, what's your opinion? I guess we'll start with our general opinions on them, maybe go into some cool cases uh, where we used them and may, they may have been like the home run hit or not. Um, but, you know, what's your opinion on neural dynamics? I love them. I think they're grossly underutilized in the uh, PT profession or rehab profession. Uh, I, you know, and... I'll put myself up there in my first few years treating. Uh, I used them, but I, I don't, I did not use them more, the way I use them now and didn't look at them the way I look at it now and consider it. And, you know, you can, I guess, chalk that up to uh, clinical experience and just try new things. Uh, definitely the fellowship has, has brought some different or, or more in depth light. You know, I've gone down that rabbit hole. Uh, you know, we talk about Temple's residency. Scott and Bill have definitely talked about it, and we—I think I started using it, you know, right after that, but didn't, I guess, fully understand the, the breadth and depth. And I, I hope to go over some of the, I guess, things to consider in this podcast. And I know you—I know you and I have talked about it, and when we, when we have our courses, you know, we have a. Uh, a neurodynamic component to our courses in the lumbo pelvic and in the cervical thoracic respectively. So we'll dive into that a little bit today. And obviously to later on, I'll go into some of those cases that have been home run hitters because I've, I've used this. So yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm always, I'm a, I've been a fan of them. Uh, I used them probably since inside PT school. Uh, we had someone, uh, Mark Butler, was, who's a, like an awesome clinician. He, he travels, pretty sure he travels around the country teaching neural dynamics. Uh, so he was uh, someone that Stockton was uh, always affiliated with. I even tried to get um, uh, my first affiliation with him. But he came in, he taught us neural dynamics. 
I thought was, that was the coolest thing. Um, became probably overutilized it, just not in the right way, just because my PT brain wasn't fully developed yet. And I was like, oh, oh God, everyone's got, you know, neural tension. And I tried doing it with a lot of things. But even with it overutilized, I think because I was using it, a lot of people were missing that, especially people who went to other practices or anything like that. And that wasn't implemented especially with those chronic radiculopathies and things. Uh, so definitely got honed in uh, a little bit more, became a little bit more selective post-residency. I wasn't trying to just add it to everybody's program. And then um, definitely actually talking to you when we started, you know, doing your courses and stuff, uh, you know, piggybacking off of you from your fellowship weekends and stuff. It's definitely become even more, finer craft for me and it's definitely something that again as i mentioned even early on was something that you know if somebody had like a carpal tunnel syndrome and they've been battling for a little bit and you know they got the the, the, the classic median nerve uh like flossing at the hand that's like what six different positions that everyone uses mm -hmm. um, but was missing out on the big picture up maybe towards the cervical spine and neural tension up there you know when I started implementing that uh, that was something I think was missed a lot and I agree with you is um, when I watch other students or residents and those sort of things um, here and there it's again something that's probably underutilized overall in the uh, orthopedic setting for sure yeah, and beyond, I want to bring this talk today as we go beyond, you know, even the the carpal tunnels or the double crushes, you know, those radiculopathies, because I think the neurodynamics have um, greater impact on some of the other, you know, musculoskeletal pathologies that we see, whether it's just neck pain or that shoulder blame pain that's probably referred from the neck. Uh, or even uh, a tennis elbow or something mm -hmm. along that nature, Definitely. or that patient who complains that their neck just needs to be popped and you try and crack it and it doesn't work. You know, that's where I've really been able to step my game up with this. And I think school, or at least I'm going to speak on my school, my schooling when I was an entry level, it's like, yeah, there's median nerve glides. Here's how you test it. You know, you can do some glides and stuff. But there was no really taught of, you know, indication and true assessment other than, all right, you do this. And if they have recreation of symptoms is positive, but now how do you take it to the next step and really treat it out other than a radiculopathy, which I think most clinicians probably use it when they see a radiculopathy. Mm -hmm. But if that radiculopathy is acute or hot, you might be irritating them so how can we go about doing an aerodynamic uh regionally or with a regional interdependence factor where maybe you're doing the opposite side or even an extremity uh a lower extremity if, if this is upper extremity we're talking about and and get a positive effect out of that so kind of thinking outside the box uh with application and still using the same principles that we know yeah i think um from your course or me and you talking, it, it was totally from your course. Your, uh, it was the manual therapy workshop that you had. Yes. Uh, you're talking about how, and you put it in a perfect way. It was like um, well, your whole nervous system is uh, like 
tugging on on a shirt if you tug on one end you can see it like if you bunch it up and tug it all the way on the opposite corner it'll flatten out and uh um if you need like a real appreciation for this there are, are fans out there go to the way the bodies exhibits in the local cities by you and go to the nervous system uh compose like portion of the exhibit awesome thing to like go through um the nervous system is one interconnected unit uh highways all all to the source through the spinal cord so you get a real appreciation of that versus like when you're in an anatomy lab and you're doing like one nerve at a time or like the cds that sort of dvd that's what my college did um but you get that whole appreciation for it i never would think like even after residency you know i had someone who had neural tension or you know reproduction of symptoms or some sort of influence by um playing around with the nerves of being involved in extremity i never thought hey let me try it on the other side if it is too hot or you know it's just not enough or look at the like the lower extremity is there neural tension down there that that would be a little bit suspicious so um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that. I thought that was a pretty advanced thing. And uh, I can talk about a case later of as soon as I talked to you about it, it impacted someone immediately afterwards. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw that back over to you there, Brandon. Yeah, to just piggy off that, piggyback off that body's uh, world. I mean, you don't even have to go. You could just Google a picture of neurodynamics or, or neural neural structures bodies world something like that and it should pop up it's literally the brain as someone dissected out the whole or as much as they could anyway uh of the neuro nervous system and you really see how everything just branches off the spinal cord from the brain everything is continuous so theory if you pull you know the the tibial branch you know are you impacting something at the neuraxis or maybe in the, the upper extremity. So you could just Google a picture of that uh, for you guys out there and, and try and get a, a hopefully a better understanding of that. Uh, but let's go into some of the principles that, and I know I've talked about this before on Instagram or in our courses and stuff like that. The neurodynamics, you know, goes beyond just, oh, what are we doing? Are we stretching this nerve? But what, what else goes deeper? Uh, you know, we have the, the nerve sheath, that we're affecting any biochemicals that are in the area, especially those pain mediating ones that are, or pH level. Uh, usually when there's trigger points or uh, some type of hypersensitivity, that pH is more negative, more mm. acidic. You know, are we changing some of those properties by gliding? You know, what type of oxygen flow are we bringing to those nerves? Obviously, oxygen is going to be good for the brain. And if any of you guys who, who like pain science, oxygen is one of the, the things that you want. Blood flow as well. And even, even connective tissue. You know, so there, those are six things right there to consider other than, oh, I'm stretching this nerve. Uh, you know, what else is being affected? And then those nerves impact the, the muscle. So hyper, muscle hypertonicity, even joint tightness, you know, accessory motion, pivums, pavums. pavums are they able to be changed after you do some neurodynamics? And that's done by a simple test retest. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's interesting about the pH. I never, I never actually heard of anything about that. Um, so it'd be cool if uh, you can. Uh, if, is that like a research article there, Brandon? Yeah. So 
and, and this is, I mean, I, I like knee, uh, N-E-E. He has a few. Michelle Copertiers has a few. Uh, okay. If you could find one from Shatlock, he has some in the 90s. I think one in 2005. I'm actually looking up right here. I just pulled up. You know, he talks about neurodynamics and piggybacking off what I just said. Uh, we have mechanical. We have, you know, if you have a chart, you have neurodynamics. And then, you, you know, branch off left and right road. You have the mechanical stimulus that you're providing and, and your physiological uh, stimulus that you're providing. On the mechanical side, what are you redoing? Are we tensioning it? Are we, you know, sliding that nerve? Are we compressing that nerve? Are we putting it on slack? You know, how can we stimulate that? that there's neural structures that way mechanically to tolerate loads that you would do in everyday life. And then physiologically, what, what's happening with that intraneural blood flow? Uh, are there any inflammation or what about the mechanical sensitivity? Uh, think of, you know, someone who's just hypersensitive in an area. There's going to be probably, if, if you think about theory, now I don't know if this is 100% true, but I guess for an analogy purposes, you have tight muscle, you have tight connective tissue, you have a tight nerve. What's that going to do? In theory, you're compressing that nerve. Conduction mm. is going to be limited. Inflammation is going to arise. You're going to have negative biomechanical markers. And uh, we all know, well, hopefully, I don't know if we all know, but the muscle tissue becomes more acidic as well when there's a trigger point. Uh, so for mm. dry needlers out there, uh, you guys would definitely know that one. So now can we take some of this stuff and apply it to, you know, the surrounding tissue? That's cool. That's cool. Um, let's probably like talk about maybe some application and, uh, maybe some, like maybe talk about a little bit about the slides and the glides, uh, for just for anyone who's out there who potentially doesn't know what we're talking about and maybe is looking to, uh, apply to their practice. Obviously, taking a course is going to help out with that, um, but there are some good resources out there. I know, Brandon, you put up a couple. I put up probably some home exercise programs out there or home exercise videos on our site. Um, but, um, Brandon, you have any insight on – So there's a lot of different uh, kind of terminology. Some people say slide, glide, tensioners. Um, what's, your, uh, what's your input on that? Yeah, so for a quick article, if you don't want to take courses, uh, if you go to JSPT, Michelle Copertiers in 2009 has a, a good article. It is called Different Nerve Gliding Exercises Induce Different Magnitudes of Median Nerve Longitudinal Excursion, an in vivo study using dynamic ultrasound imaging. So I like that one. He has a nice picture in there that basically goes over the different steps on how to mobilize people uh, from tensioning uh, to sliding and the different progressions there, you know, how to manipulate it either at the wrist, at the elbow or at the neck. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's a nice one. I remember reading that one. I, I believe I was in PT school, uh, when I first looked at that, but I always refer back to that one. Uh, and then, you know, take that concept and apply it to some of the other nerves, ulnar nerve, radial nerve, you know, your, your tibial or peroneal nerves, things like that. So, uh, you know, understand the understand the concept and you'll be able to apply it you know i i find that a lot of uh clinicians especially the younger ones they see one thing and then they're like oh, okay and then just get so mesmerized by that they don't take a step back to to play around with it and see what's really going on so to how they can adapt it 
Uh, also, I learned this in fellowship from my mentor, but he had taken a low course and he talks about uh, how to, I guess, not only just do the traditional test, but how do you break it up? Can we tension the nerve proximal to distally step by step? Or can we do it reverse? Can we start tensioning that nerve distal and work our way proximally? And do we get a different effect? That's going to depend based on the patient's response and, and what they're going in for. But I, I saw that, and then I was playing around with that for, for a few weeks after just so I could hone it and see what was going on. But when I saw that, I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that. You know, why didn't I think of that? And once, I, once you taught me one, I was just playing around with all of them. For, for weeks. And uh, I think you and I talked about it and we talked about it at the manual workshop we had as well. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely awesome. Yeah. It was some great conversation. Um, yeah. Talking about like, you know, going from proximal to distal. I think that's what I was kind of, I was one of those students that, yeah, learned it and then just kind of applied it to everything became kind of hooked on it for a little bit. Um, Mark Butler was good. He, they developed a kind of a, a five grade system similar to our muscle manual test of like step by step from proximal to distal, like putting them into the positions. Um, that way you can kind of put an objective grade to it. Um, you can also use like goniometers and those sort of things to measure where in the range it may impact them. Um, but also good, like, especially for those test retests kind of principles. Um, all right. So you have it, um, whether it be from distal to proximal or proximal to distal, you can find something and then do an intervention, um, and make a biggest impact. Now, like we'll talk about maybe some interventions and stuff like that, besides just purely mobilizing the nerve, um, something, I guess, uh, take your points on this, Brandon, but what I've been doing, especially because I have two students right now, but we'll be playing around with some neural dynamics and stuff. And uh, especially the one from Stockton who also uh, got some training from Mark Butler. He's, he's, a, you can tell that he leans more towards it and stuff. So he'll find some tension on the involved side. Every once in a while, he'll be like, he'll forget the other side. I'm like, well, you want to test out the other side, um, see how it impacts your symptoms, this, this and that. Um, but uh, I'll say is, you know, we'll just do just for the quickest test retest is potentially as long as a client's um, a appropriate client is do a spinal manipulation. I don't know how you're experienced with that. Obviously, Brandon, you're the you're better spinal manipulator than I am. But that generally, um, you know, always kind of improves the neurodynamics of whatever one's the most limited. And I feel even if that's not making a huge impact on things or maybe not consistent, that almost gets an immediate buy-in from the client, especially as you're getting into a little bit more tension and it's starting to bother them as you get into these positions and you do a technique within uh, 10, 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden they get a little bit more range um, and it's a little bit more comfortable from the, you know, that facilitates that buy-in. Yeah. So, now, hold on. Were you saying that you did the, the nerve glides first and then manipped, or you manipped and then were able to do nerve glides, or what was that exactly? Uh, we were testing. We go from we do our testing to see, uh, you know, if there's an impact from like neurodynamics. Like we're just looking at just pure like your median, your ulnar, your radial. Yeah. Um, 
and then we found we'd find something that was like uh you know suspicious of me some tension uh or something that you know impacts what they're coming in for then we would do a manipulation and then we'd see how it is and then after that i'd in kind of my experience with things then i'll start doing some nerve glides i kind of oh, go okay. with the principle of i guess this might be kind of adrian low like the three things that nerves all like is um they like space and to come be, be open they want to which is i guess uh mobility or uh, i guess they're all, they're all coursing from the spinal cord and through the vertebra so kind of opening from them then they want to be moved just like anything else and that's when you're you know, your tensioners or your sliding and gliding and then you know they like a good blood supply so incorporate some sort of cardiovascular activities or maybe single uh extremity strengthening mm-hmm. something that forces those blood flow to the area so kind of my principle would be well not always the case and we'll talk about some glides with some manual therapy which is also i think pretty beneficial but we'll test it find something do a mobilization or manipulation then retest and then that's what i was kind of going with oh yeah i that, that's that's awesome um definitely doing mobilizations like you said kind of nerve like space uh sometimes mm-hmm. they also like compression too i i've had it i used to go that way i used to kind of be a little more linear where i was like all right let me do my nip first and then this but i've had it uh, especially with certain clientele usually um those more chronic patients, I've noticed this a lot in weightlifters and crossfitters, especially because they're doing a thousand reps overhead of something. Uh, and it's just a lot of volume that I'll share a story of failure once looking back. This was a couple of years ago. I had a lady who was complaining of uh, like CT junction, just tightness. And I'm like, oh, there's a home run. I'm going to manipulate her spine her CT junction. You know, we're going to do some uh, self mobility stuff and I'm going to retrain her how to do overhead stuff. And I, I couldn't, you know, we, we had about 80% progress and she was just saying it's, it's just stuck. It feels like it's tight. And I'm like trying to manip it, trying to manip it. And I, I think we got it to about maybe 85% and, and then she kind of tapped out. And I, I definitely overlooked um, doing the nerve glides the way I do now. I think I did nerve glides, but not to the extent now when I'm doing nerve glides, I, I re- especially for those more chronic or less irritable ones. And when I really want to stress less irritable, don't do this at a hot dick or a hot uh, mm-hmm. symptom. I put a lot of overpressure. I begin to load that patient mechanically on the table. Because if you think about it, if you're a baseball pitcher, I see this a lot in baseball pitchers too. They're throwing, you know, high school, probably in the eighties, you know, if they're in the collegiate, you know, upper eighties, maybe the, you know, nineties, depending on the eliteness of them. But that's a lot of force generated through the upper quadrant, you know, C-spine, shoulder girdle, and T-spine. And they're tractioning that brachial plexus and that nerve all the time. Is that being overloaded? Does that need to be stretched out? So, you know, that, 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 that story was a failure. I then had another patient. This was a baseball player. Same thing, same exact symptoms. I feel like, you know, my CT junction needs to be popped. And he was a PT, actually. And I'm working on it. We're mobilizing it. Same thing. Got got better. And then I was like, we're just talking about pitching. I was like, oh, well, when did, you know, diving a little bit more into history. When did it start? He was like, oh, I, I went to throw again. It's been a while. 
I'm like, let me see your throwing. And then it like, I'm like, let me just try this. So I did it. And in two sessions, he, he was pain free. And we played around with, you know, proximal distal and rotating your head versus side bending. Because in baseball, you're rotating your head more. Uh, I know mm. the, the traditional tests for immediate nervous side bending. So we, we played around with that. So and then I was able to kind of manipulate them afterwards as well. So I've been able to use the neurodynamics to kind of reduce some tone or, or mm. some type of hyper, uh, uh, I guess, hypertonicity within the joint or the muscles. Then I'm able to get that manipulation afterwards because everything's able to calm back down. So I don't think there's a right or wrong whether you're manipulating first or doing manual first and then doing your nerve glides. No, nerve glides is manual therapy. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's just you have to be aware. You have to look at what you're looking at. What's your why of doing it? What's your order that you want to do it? And then test, retest. Uh, we've talked about that a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, that's you know that's going to be your your gold standard probably of what's working, and it helps that buy. And like you were saying, you do something for five minutes, if that, and retest them. And if you get uh, immediate effect, that patient's like, wow, you, you look like a, a genius and a magician. Yeah, well, that, that that's cool. It's cool that yeah, like uh, redemption at it. I feel like that's a kind of fun thing of uh, of clinical life is. Yeah, you do get some people that you miss, and then the cosmos, God, whatever you want to believe in, sends you another one, so you can practice that and get better at it. Yeah. And hopefully, what you're learning and training uh, continues to to make yep. people better i was learning i actually i wanted to call her and be like i know how to fix you now <laughs> and fix <laughs> I, I just never did i, I saw her at the uh crossfit gym she was actually pregnant so i just i just let that one go but if it ever comes up again i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna you know jump in there and try and uh try and save her so there you go um but hopefully but, things come down for her. but um let's see how would you uh i guess kind of talk about the, to the client um, about, uh, I guess, either any of their neural impact of any sorts. I know that sometimes gets a little dicey, uh, and I hear, like, students, and you can kind of see the the paleness in some client's face when they're talking about it because there's a lot of negativity or yeah, ill-conceived notions about nerves, and you start talking about it, and all of a sudden, the patients start to kind of get a little sick to their stomach in a way. How do you go about talking about, or do you just kind of implement it? Don't even kind of talk so much about it. It just becomes part of your manual therapy and techniques. Yeah, I do. It it becomes part of my manual therapy and techniques. Uh, I made, you know, the patient doesn't know what nerve glides are, but if they Mm -hmm. may be asking what I'm doing, I just tell them I'm stretching the nerve. Uh, Same way, you know, if a, a muscle's tight and you stretch your hamstring, Pretty much everybody has, has probably stretched their hamstring at one point or another in life. They can get that analogy. I just say nerves can get tight too, and I'm stretching your nerves. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I just keep it simple. If somebody really asks, well, why and what's the, the reason, I'll tell them. I'm, I'm just increasing blood flow, bringing more oxygen to the area, reducing the sensitivity. Give me a couple minutes here. We're going to retest it, and you can tell me if it's better, uh, and, and we'll go from there. I'll also ask for the feedback. Is is it tolerable? So if it's too much, I'm gonna I'm gonna go least aggressive. I'm gonna do that flossing or that sliding. So uh, sidebar here, just for for the clinicians. I guess we're, we're talking about these terms, and it's usually uh, glides and glides and sliders. 
or, or mm-hmm. group together as one verbiage, and then the other one would be flossers and, and tensioners uh, would be the other group. Uh, and then also with the stretching, for the clinicians out there that are listening to this, you know, when you're just telling the patient, I'm stretching your nerve, your, your nerve can stretch tension about 18 to 22% of elongation before it comes close to failing. Now, we're not going to apply anywhere near that tension to cause failure to the nerve, but that nerve can be stretched and does have that extensibility within it. So it's not, you know, you know, you're not, I guess, can't, it can be conceived that we are, we are physically stretching this nerve amongst other things. And I just keep it simple mm. with that. Yeah. Um, I just pretty much think, like his principle, I say, yeah, nerves like to be moved just like everything else in your body. So we're just going to do this for a little bit if needed. Sometimes I just, as I'm moving around their shoulder, they're thinking, you know, that I'm doing shoulder techniques. So I'll just start throwing in some, some glides uh, or slides. And uh, again, but if they're starting to ask what are you doing or, um, or anything like that, that's why I try and say, hey, they just want to be moved just like everything else. Um, Motion is lotion, right? Motion is lotion. That's what Adrian Lowe uh, is that? Yeah, and that's right. Uh, yeah, he he says that. All. Uh, uh, or uh, I have a I have a patient from Scott. Scott is one of our was uh, one of our resident residency faculty. Uh, he uh, I have a patient who was seeing him back in the day, and uh, they call it Scott Scottisms. He's like anytime I say something like a quote that you know I picked up from Bill or Scott. He says, is that some Scottisms? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably from him. <laughs> so, uh, that's but funny. yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, any other things you want to discuss, uh, in uh, terms of neurodynamics or any other case studies or anything like that? No, I, I think that's it. Uh, we rambled on here for a bit. I'm pretty, you know, hopefully I think we touched on a little bit of everything, uh, from what to you know, what's happening on the an anatomical physiological side versus some application, mm-hmm. which is hopefully how to you know the term terminology, and also some different approaches with the proximal, distal, distal, proximal, or even just adding some overpressure into that uh, mm-hmm. into, into the um, the neural mobilization that you're doing or slider or whatever variation, and, and you know test retest. So hopefully this this was a good podcast for everybody, able to start thinking about things a little differently. Uh, what about you, Jerry? Anything else to add? No, uh, I guess the one thing I'd add, and this is uh, kudos to you, would be that one client that we were kind of talking about at one point during your one of your courses and stuff uh, was a client who had uh, shoulder pain, but he had he'd always get numbness into his uh, right hand seemed like his more median nerve. Um, and I had my, my sports resident, he was evaluating him. Mm. He definitely found some median nerve tension and that sort of stuff. Or I had to kind of cue him into looking at that. Um, it wasn't as pronounced on the other side. So he was doing the evaluation and stuff. And then he was only there once every other week. So I piggybacked after that and, uh, a couple sessions doing some nerve glides and stuff. He get some more, more, uh, more motion, less numbness and stuff, but just it went, wouldn't stay consistent enough, which was kind of frustrating for him in the, in the, 
and uh, myself. Uh, but then I was like, all right, then talking to you, that shirt analogy and that sort of stuff started looking into the other side and then the lower extremity. And anytime we did like a straight leg raise test, he would uh, feel like there was a blood pressure cuff around his leg on both legs, uh, more pronounced with, you know, dorsiflexion, adduction, internal rotation, and then the other side, all the nerves were there. So we started playing around with, uh, you know, neurodynamics on all sides. I did for shits and giggles, per se, mobilizations, manipulations to this whole spine. And this is a kid who's been dealing with this for, I think, like two or th- two or three years, uh, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of within, you know, a couple, about a week or two weeks of just doing that um, and then doing what my student brought to the table was uh, a whole body ascension tensioner well it was a kind of a it was it was kind of a floss because we didn't hold it for long and then we developed it into a tensioner it was like he leaned back looked up hands are in both like median nerve positions and both legs are out with your with your feet cocked back um in dorsiflexion and then within a couple weeks like no reproduction of any any nerve symptoms whatsoever shoulder pain seemed to go with it in a sense, we were doing some scapular work as well because he was a little weak with that. But yeah, really cool case. Uh, and kudos to you for kind of you know giving me that insight for that. So yeah, that was it. That was. I was just saying that's awesome. You guys did a really whole body. You, you uh, clearly, you know, for an audience out there, that's uh, somebody who's chronic and their mm-hmm. irritation level or irritability level is low because it sounds like you were you were pulling at all ends there. Uh huh. Yep. At one point. <laughs> and, no, but that, that's awesome that you guys were able to do that. Yeah. One so, last but yeah. thing I just realized that we forgot. Uh, I'm just going to throw it in here. Mobile neuromobilizations while mobilizing the spine. Ah, uh, yes. Spine. So real Good quick, thing. we're just finished with that. Uh, I believe me. I believe it was 2011. He did side glides with median nerve mobilizations. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do ulnar or whatever. That one will either take two clinicians. So if you have a student, that's great because you can do the neck and the student can do the neuromobilizations or vice versa. Or if you're able to teach the patient and they're competent enough to be able to do the neuromobilization themselves, you know, extend their arm up and, and whatnot while you mobilize the neck, that's a good option. Yep. One last thing. This is a little different outside the box one. Uh, this article is by Kumar, 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 uh, it's neuromobilization with cervical tractioning, which, if you think about it, makes a lot of sense because what's one of the tests for radiculopathy, at least in Wainer's cluster, is relief with cervical distraction. And I think a lot of clinicians will perform a cervical distraction to give patients relief. But what if we add on mobilizations with it? it made, mm-hmm. perfect, yeah, it made perfect sense when, when I was going through this. Uh, but that's just uh, another tidbit to take take these neural mobilizations to the next step yeah and then if you're looking at that kind of three-step principle of what nerves like you're essentially doing all three at once you're providing that opening space you're moving the nerve and they're moving their arm or whatever which is increasing blood flow so yeah i'm a huge fan of those and i, I can't believe we almost forgot to talk about those yeah and then it, we do into the lumbar spine playing around with that i know there's not as much literature for that but doing some mobilizations um, to like UPAs on the involved side while doing a lumbar, um, doing some nerve glides. 
Um, so yeah, definitely a huge fan of those. Yeah, I don't know why there's not enough uh, or more research on the lumbar spine, it, but the nerve is a nerve. You got to figure if you're if the principles work for for the top part, it's going to work for the bottom part. There's definitely research showing ner- nerve glides for those chronic, what is it, Achilles Achilles tendonitis, right? Or uh, yeah, tendonitis. It's a plantar fasciitis. No, I apologize, plantar fasciitis. There, there's a uh, proof of you know treating remotely at the lumbar spine and even doing nerve glides as well. So some more little little golden nuggets for you guys out there with that. And Jerry, you, you also, that story you shared about your your resident, I was just reflecting on it. We're going to do a, another podcast on this. It sounds like you really treated regionally, like utilized regional interdependence. You had your cervical work, you had the thoracic work, you had your scap work, you had your neurodynamics as well. And I'm sure you did your, your therics on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, and you, I'm sure you educated your patient as well. You know, that's six, seven different things you incorporated with that instead of just focusing on their shoulder. And I think that's yeah. important for clinicians to realize just because their pain's in their shoulder, what other areas can be factoring in to that shoulder pain that you may need to address in some capacity at some point in time? Yeah, uh, it's a huge part and definitely goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today is, yeah, is like, especially for those young clinicians. And I think oh, over the years, you know, school's changing or they're talking about it more than they are, but to get so absorbed by the area of the problem is doing a disservice to the client. And the more and more I look and the more I get more experience, the more I kind of understand is a lot of the time the problem is not where the issue is. Um, you know, especially like, oh, even sometimes patellofemoral pain syndrome, a lot of times it's a more proximal source is the problem. So, yeah, I look forward to, don't want to get too much into the weeds of it, but for the next podcast that we're going to launch, uh, that should be a good talk too. Awesome. I, I think this is a great podcast. We've touched upon a lot of, uh, a lot of points here. Uh, anything else, Jerry? Nope, that should be it. And I'll just uh, kind of wrap things up. If you have any questions about neurodynamics, or anything like that, uh, want to implement it more. We obviously have all the resources that we discussed today. Um, feel free to reach out to us at Manipsent Sips. Uh, for Brandon uh, at Think Like a Fellow or at Pursue PT Now. For me at The Decent Doctor and at Trifecta Therapeutics. We're on all major social medias. Uh, yeah, it's great talk and uh, cheers, everyone. All right, guys, have a good one.